Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and if you want to start or grow a thriving coaching business, this is the place to be. Join me every Monday for inspiration and action when I interview top coaches and expert entrepreneurs who share strategies and secrets for building a successful business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Today, we're joined by David Roylance. David is the UK's number one female-focused voice and body language specialist. Typically, his clients will be women in senior roles in large corporations who often come to him with a similar story. I'm confident and I'm strong, they say. So how come when I open my mouth in those big meetings, 10 seconds later, I'm wondering if anyone can see me or hear me? Where he has an excellent track record is helping women get themselves promoted and achieve significant pay raises. David, thanks so much for joining us today. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm looking forward to it very much. It's an honor to be asked. It's a pleasure uh, to be here with you. Before we jump into more about your business, which I have to admit, I am just completely enthralled by learning more about what you do. It's so interesting to me. I would love it if you would tell us just a little bit about you, maybe some of the things you like to do when you're not busy working. Awesome. So uh, I live in Hampshire in the UK. I, I was born in Edinburgh in Scotland. In the year 1990, I came down to London and I took a three-year drama training with a view to being a professional actor. Uh, and the beginnings of my life, uh, my professional life, really were all around uh, theatre and art. Um, and and uh, that's what kind of segued me into being able to be useful for the, the women that I work with now. I, I live... Um, you know, I'm about an hour and a half away from London by train. I, I have a family. Uh, I have uh, two children and a wonderful uh, other half. Uh, and, uh, we, you know, when I'm not working or not building my business, which is a significant part of my life, and e- even more so than delivering, uh, uh, the, uh, delivering the coaching to my clients, um, then my focus is absolutely my family and, and my children. Everybody loves to be inspired by people's journey. And as I was looking at your, your intro and looking at your website, a lot of different work, but a lot of really interesting work. So I would love it if you could tell us just a little bit more about what really led you to get into coaching and how long have you been doing it? So I kind of came to coaching by accident. Uh, as a professional actor, most of the money that I ever made was representing corporates on a stage for them uh, or, or the occasional voiceover for a commercial. Um, I remember doing a commercial and uh, as, a, as a starving actor, uh, I did a commercial and I thought I was going to burn in hell at the time. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, and, uh, but I earned £8,000 for one day's work, which then I thought was a lot of money. Right. And uh, I found that the more that I did a really good job of standing up on a stage and representing a company like um, uh, Hewlett-Packard or British Nuclear Fuels, uh, for instance, where I, um, I did exactly that. I'd, um, they'd say, 
we'd like you to come and and uh, read this out, or rather, speak this as if you know what you're talking about. Mm. And as an actor, that you know, you're you're trained to speak other people's words and make them sound uh, as if you originated them. And I did a very good job. Uh, and that was, you know, the way that they measured that it was a very good job was the number of people who then would come up to their sales representatives and start having, um, you know, informed proper conversations that would lead to sales. Uh, and so uh, there's, in, it was about the, the millennium, it was the year 2000 when I did a, a job in Amsterdam uh, in Holland. And uh, it was the International Broadcasters Convention, and I was working for Inmarsat, who are a giant uh, organization that puts satellites up into space and then sell the airtime on those sat- satellites to media companies, you know, like uh, BBC in the UK and uh, uh, um, people like CBS and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so on. Anyway, I had to do a presentation every hour on the hour, no more than five minutes. But it was a, the at the end of it, my call to action for the people who were in the audience was step up uh, onto the stage. And it was so successful that the person who ran that said, I'd like you to come in to our organization and I'd like you to teach us how you do what you do. And so I went, oh, okay, and promptly went into a negotiation where I undersold myself terribly um, and got my first contract uh, at a at a price that they agreed to immediately, which of course <laughs> I, I now know much better right. uh, uh, than that. Um, but I had, that was my first two years contract, and so I built um, two day programs uh, for groups of six people in helping them build their ability to communicate with people and they, it really was rocket science Millet. it was I, it was a case of these people were rocket scientists mm-hmm. they and they were great at sitting next to each other instant messaging <laughs> each other uh, what they were not great at was you know turning to the left or turning to the right and saying should we go and have lunch or have a conversation so my job was to induce them to converse and also uh because up until that point they had been intergovernmental they'd been owned by 14 different governments and uh and they'd suddenly become a private organization which meant they had to sell uh, and it, and the culture was absolutely not a selling culture. They, it terrified them. Uh, and, and so it was all about how do you begin conversations with people? How do you engage people? Um, how, how do you, how do you have proper, uh, sales conversations? That, that was the start. Um, beyond, beyond that, I, I, I then got mentored by, um, a, a CBT specialist. Uh, which should I assume your audience will know what CBT is or should I I have no idea what CBT is. Ah. So I would love to know. (laughs) Awesome. So CBT stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. Uh, And, and is, is around, well, you know, changing the way that you think and changing the way that you then behave as a result of changing your thought. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of, it's closely aligned to uh, neurolinguistics, although CBT specialists would say it, it isn't. Um, uh, and would want to distance themselves for that. And, and for, for me, NLP is the next state, step of um, putting it in into action mm-hmm. uh, to change. But I was mentored by uh, 
a, a, a woman named Avril Lehman, uh, who's a CBT specialist, and she uh, she brought me into her organization, and she paid for me to be trained by a number of people uh, with um, many different skills, so that I came out the other end um, skilled to be able to, to to do all of this at the level that I do. So... You started out with working for other businesses, doing their speeches from the stage, making calls to action for them. Then you got approached to actually work with a company to work in training and coaching their people. You said that was a a two-year contract. At the end of that two years, because of this other training, at that point, were you thinking to yourself, this coaching is something that I want to do? Or were you still wanting to be an actor? What kind of what was your mindset at that point or during that two-year contract? Where was your head at as far as do I want to build a business? around this coaching so that's a that's a great question and and i think i didn't i think i knew i wanted to do this partly because i understood that for the first time i could get reasonably consistent money Mm -hmm. uh which you know as as an actor mainly i i worked in theater as a director i uh i ran my own theater company I made my own theater. Um, I insisted that others got paid when I didn't. And I pour, poured a lot of money down the drain, essentially, doing beautiful theater that very few people came to, to see because back then I had no idea how to market or sell. Mm. Um, and I was, I was part of a culture that views marketing as selling as some sort of, um, you know, devil's brew. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, and so, you, you know, I was surrounded by starving actors and being a starving actor myself back then, I was, I was very much of a different kind of mindset to the one that I hold now with, with my practice. So I, I, you know, kind of had that, that sense of, oh, it's a, a shameful thing to do to market yourself. Surely, surely if you're good, you know, if, if you build it, they will come right. to, you know, to quote Field of Dreams. Um, but actually, if, if you build it, you need to stand up and let people know that you have built it. Exactly. Then they might come, you know. Um, but then you've got to say, you've got to say something that, that incites some kind of curiosity mm-hmm. in people, uh, in order that what you've built is something that can be of service. Uh, at, a, at a at a deep and great level, otherwise people wouldn't pay you good money to to do it. Yeah, exactly. So once you made the decision that the coaching and the training was something that was interesting and that you wanted to do, like you said, there can be a lot of ups and downs with building up a business. So can you talk to us a little bit about? Just a disappointment or a low point that you experienced as you were getting this new endeavor going? I was doing a lot of work as a, as an associate of other people. And that included, uh, um, Avril, the lady who, who had mentored me in, uh, in, in up to that point. And I was traveling around the UK mainly, um, five, six days out of seven. I was living out of hotels and I was delivering coaching and training uh, on a daily basis. And I thought, this is it. This is the life. I am making money. And back then I was making 3000 uh, mm-hmm. a month, um, which I, back then I thought that was good money. 
and 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 of course I wasn't selling anything and I wasn't marketing anything because uh, they they were taking care of everything for me. They just would ring and say, "David, Monday, Tuesday, you're in Birmingham. Tuesday, th- Wednesday, Thursday, you're in Manchester. Friday, you're in Glasgow. Then you get to go home." And uh, and a mistake that I find I made that I hear a lot reflected uh, back at me when I talk to other coaches is the the mistake of thinking that busy is successful. Mm. Uh, and so I sure was busy. I'll tell you who I didn't have any time to be with. And that was my newly born son and gorgeous daughter and, um, the woman I love, you know. So I would, I would say, uh, uh, I would arrive home late on a Friday evening. I'd be thoroughly exhausted through the majority of Saturday and properly bad tempered. Um, and then on Sunday, I'd have to get back on a train to go up to wherever I was beginning a new, uh, a new piece on Monday morning. Mm. Um, and, and so life kind of went on like this until the, uh, there was a huge second dip in, uh, in the financial downturn that happened. I think it was, uh, which summer was it? 2011. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it might have been boom, everything dried up and suddenly, Everyone I was uh, subcontracting for said, there's no work. Mm. And I had no connection to the clients to to speak of. I had no connection beyond their perception of me as a hired servant of someone Mm -hmm. else. So I I was not in a position to go to any client and and create any kind of influence and say, hey, what's going on for you? What do you need now? You know, that you're in trouble. And I was working with lots of the big banks uh, and, uh, but I had, I had no, uh, decision maker in my purview to talk to. And I had, had a huge mortgage that I just agreed to. Um, and I had two children to feed and I, and I went from 3000 a month to zero mm. a month. And it was utterly terrifying. Um, and it remained terrifying for several months until I chose to invest in mentorship myself. You know, the irony is when we most need to invest in ourselves is when we have the least money. But we've got to, you know, but it, we, we know that it's never about resources. It's always about how resourceful you are in order to go and make change happen. And uh, I, I met, um, I, I went to an event when I was at my absolutely lowest ebb and I was being supported by my sister, um, you know, financially mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and otherwise. And she, she said, Oh, I've, we're going to, uh, we're going to this Tony Robbins gig, uh, in London and we'd like you to come with us. And I was, uh, deeply suspicious <laughs> at, at the time, but I went and had, you know, uh, you know, that one of those days where, Tony comes on at nine and 13 hours later, he's still on and he doesn't show any sign of, uh, uh, of his energy Mm -hmm. abating in any way. And you're just absolutely drawn in with it. Well, I, I didn't sign up for anything with Tony, but later that evening, um, I listened to a presentation by, uh, someone who I'm now pretty close to named Kane Minkus, who is, uh, who, who's the CEO of Industry Rockstar and uh, um, one of one of the finest uh, people I've met and a great a great trainer. Um, and uh, after his presentation, I immediately signed up 
um, to learn about marketing and uh, in a, in a four day course. And I've sort of been, um, I guess, uh, working a lot with him and in in mentorship. So I think the thing that's made the difference for me that's allowed me to really earn proper money has been investment in mentorship because, uh, you know, I, I met, I met Kane and I did a four day thing with him on marketing and then I went away and, and said what people often say to me is, Oh, I think I'll just go, I think I'll go away and just to put this in practice myself. And of course I went and went nowhere with it really. Um, I did, I did put stuff into practice, but I, it, it was when I reconnected with Kane for a second time a year later and then, and then made the step to being consistently connected to Kane and then Kane's wife, Alessia, uh, when, when they met and, uh, and got married that, um, I started to get some real results in my business because I was learning all this, the mm-hmm. stuff that, Coaches and people who kind of live in a in a heart-centered business world have a tendency to be very happy to invest in themselves when it when they're investing in their own skill. I must learn more about the voice, or you know, if you're if 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 you're a wellness coach, I must learn more about mm-hmm. nutrition or osteopathy or the how the spine works. Everyone everyone goes, oh, I I need more qualifications. Right. That's what'll, you know, so that's where the investment goes. And the one thing that they don't invest in is how to market and how how to go to market or how right. to sell. Uh, and, you know, I'm c- consistently, uh, you know, receiving those emails that most of the time I delete these days from people going, oh, you must, you, you know, come and, come and create a six-figure practice. Come and create a seven-figure practice with us, and get, you know we'll solve your. It's all it's all happening online. And what I loved about what Kane said is, it's you know it's not about online. It's just it's about speaking to more people in an effective manner. It's about learning how to speak effectively. And if you learn how to speak effectively, then you'll you know you'll attract the right people, and you'll create a great deal uh, of both cash and love in your life because. Uh, the the amount of money that comes to you will directly reflect the level of difference that you make in your client's life. So, um, and and that touched me because my thing is talking mm-hmm. to people, and uh, I love talking to people. I love networking. Uh, I love meeting people. I'll talk to people on the on uh, on the bus, on the train, um, walking down the street. Sometimes, in, in, and and that's not encouraged in the United Kingdom. I can tell you that. I don't know. I don't know how people are on the train in in uh, the US, but I can assure you that uh, when I'm coming home on the train, I'm one of the very few people who's actually looking up and attempting to make uh, some sort of eye contact with people. Every, everybody else in the train is um, linked to a device that means that they can't see anyone or anything that's going on around them uh, or here at the same time. Um, so, yeah, my, th- my thing is talking to people. Uh, and so when Kane said that, it was music to my ears, and I uh, haven't looked back from that. So would you say that working with a mentor was sort of that tipping point in your business where you felt like you were finally getting some momentum? It's the most important place mm. to place your money, absolutely, without any doubt at all. Beginning of the year, work out where where's your development, put your money there before you spend money on anything. That's that's That would be a message that I'd take because uh, 
you know, to we 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 often feel we're alone. That you know, coaches particularly get surrounded by people who they feel don't understand them because you know we, we normally have in our lives people who do jobs on a you know and don't understand this idea of why you might work until 2 a.m in the morning to get something right for a client or to you know because you're going networking or you're doing a presentation or or you're creating a program for people that your your heart defines that you put your your life and soul into it until it's uh, and, and you know until it's ready to take to market absolutely i'd say uh, having uh, knowing that i have people at the end of a phone or a skype line who i can say ah oh, i'm dealing with this issue i'm having this experience oh it's awful where ordinarily i might feel alone no one else will understand but i've got mentors who go oh david that's you know we've dealt with that hundreds of times what you do is mm-hmm. this boom go and then you go oh, okay and do it and they were right all along. Right. Uh, and so e- e- each of my big moments as a, as a, a business owner, uh, you know, of a heart-centered coaching business, e- each of my moments of success, none of, none of them would have happened if I hadn't invested. Or who knows, they may never have happened or they may have happened but taken mm-hmm. a lot longer. But um, they... My mentors, have, um, who I work with then, work with now, they they teach me systems that allow me to then have the ability to deliver my best to people um, who will who will invest in themselves quite seriously in order to get some really good results. You know, I, I lifted my service of, uh, purely on account of working with mentors who I trust. Well, let's talk a little bit about. The actual service that you offer, because like I said in, in the beginning, this is something new that we haven't had on the program before. So tell us a little bit more about what you do, what you help people with as far as being a voice and body language specialist. Lovely. So I, when I was at drama college, I worked with an extraordinary woman uh, who I guess was the first of my many mentors. Uh, her name is Patsy Rodenberg. She's head of voice at the National Theatre here in the UK. She also works at the Michael Howard studio in New York. Um, and I, I understand that she's a, a guest on uh, a US TV a fair bit, um, where I think she's a little bit better known uh, as, as a voice coach because she uh, she coached Barack Obama in his first uh, presidential mm-hmm. uh, campaign. And the story she told me when I met her you know, we were in an airport heading different ways. And she, uh, this was about 10 years ago. And she said, well, I'm off to coach this, sem- uh, this senator called Obama. The Democrats say this guy's got no presence. <laughs> now, uh, it, it, it's extraordinary to think. But, if you, it, you know, Barack Obama earned in one night... Um, I think it, I think this came out in the news uh, earlier in the year. He earned in one night one year's worth of presidential wages mm, just from presenting. Right. And you know, I I I I've looked uh, very closely at um, the the series of speeches that he delivered in 
his campaign in that first campaign mm-hmm. to be president. And, uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not being political here at all. This is not an endorsement of anyone one way or the other, but I observe this purely from a voice perspective and seeing and hearing how influential a human being is with their audience. And, uh, I, I, you know, to, to look at, to look at those speeches and think somebody used to say this guy had no presence is, is quite an extraordinary thing. Uh, and so she believes firmly, as I do, that presence is a physical, mental and emotional state that anyone can achieve. Um, and how dare there be people who can, who sit at the top of a tree pretending that they have some kind of magical knowledge of who has presence and who does not have presence. Uh, and, and you, you know, in the corporate world, you get to hear it uh, a great deal that in, in particular men who sit in uh, a, as a CEO in a large organization saying things like, oh, he's got it. She hasn't, mm-hmm. you know, in a sort of disparaging uh, uh, kind of a way. And, and the women, the women I have most fun working with are the ones who, you know, fought their way to a point um, where, you know, they say, you know, I'm, I am strong. That's how I, I got to be where I am today. I've been extremely confident, but now I find myself in meetings and I'm just not speaking up anymore. And we'll, we'll find that maybe that they've been on the receiving end of some pretty unpleasant feedback that perhaps they have taken personally when uh, when a man might uh, just laugh it off as banter uh, uh, or it might be that they just get gotten so used to being trodden on as they speak that they now don't bother uh, either way they're kind of they're not there even though they're there the body may be in the room but there's nobody mm-hmm. really home and uh, and so our our starting point almost always is to help give them uh, the, the tools to guaranteeing that you will always have presence. So you will always be present in yourself and you will always have presence for other people. And, and that's the key of it, really. If you are, if you are present in yourself, then you've, you have got the brain power and you've got the energy to have presence for other people because your energy is external rather than internal. And so I'll give you an example. About tw- and, and again, this is very early on in my career that I, I, when I was uh, subcontracting still, um, the Royal Bank of Scotland called um, Avril, the, uh, the mm-hmm. lady I told you about earlier. And, she, and they said, you know, we want to be seen to be modern. We want to promote a woman into a boardroom position. And we've got a woman in mind and we'd love to promote her, but we can't because every time she steps up to represent the company publicly, she faints. Oh, my. Yeah. And they said, you know, it's embarrassing for her, but let's face it, what's more important is it's embarrassing for us. Uh, and she'd done it at a, she wasn't even delivering a speech. She was giving an award to somebody at an award ceremony and boom, she went over whilst climbing the podium with the award in her hand and the, her bosses were not best pleased. Oh my gosh. Now she'd worked with 12 other coaches before coming to me and the other 12 were all the people who were on RBS's roster and were familiar with the culture there. Um, but coming from, coming from a voice perspective, I, I noticed 
almost immediately that every time she even thought about standing up to present something, she stopped breathing. Hmm. She she lifted her shoulders, she held her breath, and she held it there. And what she was doing uh, had nothing to do with the content of what she was speaking or had the desire to speak. It was everything to do with her own body finding a way out of that uncomfortable situation. So she would hold her breath until her own brain went, no, I'm going to have to knock you out in order that we carry on breathing, mm. which is, essentially is what fainting is. Right. Um, you know, so it's the body, the, the brain reboots so you can carry on normally, essentially. Uh, and, and so, you know, we had six months together and then she was promoted into that boardroom position and, uh, and she came to me uh, and said, you know, lots of, lots of things have kind of fallen into place, um, whilst we've been working together, but actually none of it would have been possible if you hadn't sorted out this breathing business because, uh, it turned out that once she knew how to breathe whilst she's under duress, whilst she's about to face doing something that, that previously makes her anxious. Now she knows how to breathe through it. She stands up on stage and finds that this is an awesome feeling that she really likes. So she starts to volunteer to do much, much more. Um, and so people start to notice when people volunteer to do much, much more than they absolutely have to. Uh, and particularly when what you're volunteering to do is, is demonstrate awesomely uh, how much you're enjoying doing the, the, the job that you're doing from the stage. So it, it was that kind of visibility uh, that gave her that promotion. Uh, and what I do with my clients is I take them through a five-step system, really. My first step is to get them to a state of presence where they'll know that they can recreate that every time, regardless of how much pressure they might be under or how scary the people in the room might be to them. Mm -hmm. Because that once that's done and you know that you can do it, then we can be, we can directly look at the visibility. And by that, I mean, when you're in a room, what is it you want other people to see? What is it you want other people to hear? And what's the experience that you want other people to have? Because when you're clear about that, we can look at, well, how do we make that happen? What's, how, do, how do we guarantee that impact? Which is when we get really directive with vocal tonality and how each of the notes in your voice um, resonate with audiences in different ways. Uh, and some of, some of them are useful. Some of them are not, uh, for specific audiences. Uh, you make your own choices in relation to that. But you, you know, you might have, I'll give you an example. Uh, again, Margaret Thatcher was the first British premier to work with a voice coach. Hmm. And that voice coach helped her lower her voice by a full octave, which is almost unheard of mm -hmm. a human being doing. Why did she do that? She did that because her cabinet were all male and they were all running rings around her because she was speaking uh, with a high voice. Mm -hmm. So she lowered it and and uh, so she could be in charge of them and they would respond to her credibility and credibility sits in the lower notes of the voice, which is why, um, you know, men, particularly the more alpha 
men love to kind of sit in a competition with each other whilst they're having a beer on a Friday night uh, going, did you see the game? Because it's you know, going all the way back to when we used to live in caves. It's, it, the method of leadership is how low can you get your voice because that's the one that's going to going to resonate the most uh, and end up being the one that leads. Mm. And, uh, it, and, and so culturally in, in the West, and it's, it's less an issue now, but culturally in, in the West, certainly until about the 1960s, women tended to occupy only the higher notes of the voice. Uh, for fear of being seen as too masculine. And then in the 70s, early 80s, they went completely the other way um, because it was believed that in order to be equal to a man, you had to behave like a man. Um, and that's what Margaret Thatcher did hmm. to be, to become a leader of men. Mm-hmm. But we're in a different stage now where w- what women don't want to do is become men but be leaders on their own terms with their own voice. Um, and so what, what we do is we, we open up what that voice is because we, uh, every single one of us are, are born with a huge tonal range and through childhood, most of us learn not to use it, but only to use a fraction of our range. Um, uh, the, the more that we become connected to devices that mean that we don't have to lift the volume of our voice in order to reach people. Uh, then the, then the less people use tonal range. But tonal range is a huge part of how people recognize how other people feel and whether people are telling the truth or not. Uh, and, uh, and so it's a huge part of influence. And once people get a sense of what their natural voice is. I, I call it natural and habitual. Mm-hmm. So we all have a natural voice, which is the fullest range that we were born with, that sits, you know, in the throat, in the vocal folds. And then we have a habitual voice, which is the fraction that most of us use on a, an everyday basis, in everyday conversation. And so we, we open that out. And I show my clients how, how to reawaken the muscles that are kind of dormant in order that you can use them, in order that you can be influential with specific people who, you know, you're in front of, whether what you want to do is is impress uh, people who have decision-making power as to whether you earn more money or whether you have um, the words chief of uh, at the end of your name on, on your door, mm-hmm. or, you know, whether you want to stand on a stage uh, and you influence um, people to invest in themselves. Like a lot of coaches uh, who I know use the stage as a method of um, of building their business. Uh, I used to run a mentorship program which was aimed at business owners to use the stage as a method of growth. And um, And so I would present for free at the end of which I'd create a call to action uh, that some people in the room would take up to then have a consultation with me over the phone during which I'd sell a mentorship program uh, and some of them would buy it and some of them wouldn't. That's, you know, that is how how business grows. But it's uh, in many ways, tonally, you, for for influencing large groups of people, you have to you have to access much more because uh, because people in the room are having a different experience 
everyone's having a completely different experience. So you've got to look out for them and you've got to use different aspects of your voice so that you maximize the opportunity to have an impact um, with as large a part of the audience as you can. Well, you mentioned something a little bit earlier that I'd like to explore just a little, and that is that a lot of coaches have speaking as one aspect of their business, one way that they market themselves. And then also, we all speak to potential clients, and we have to go into those discovery calls where we are making an offer, asking someone to work with us. So is this something that you feel that that coaches would benefit from learning more about how to utilize their voice and their body language to to sell better to position themselves as an expert tell us a little bit about how coaches could make use of you know some of the 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 teachings that you have there's a difference between a successful and an unsuccessful business and the difference is that a successful business will spend 90% of their time marketing and selling and 10% of their time delivering. Um, and an unsuccessful business, it'll be the other way around. They'll spend 90% delivering and 10% marketing and selling. And that's where for a lot of coaching businesses, you get that boom bust. Right. Because, uh, because the joy of delivery is a trap. Um, and I know it because I've been there in the past that actually you can get so seduced by the thought that I'm delivering uh, and value to people uh, that you you spend the majority of your time with your clients, but not actually asking for more business. Mm. And I, I guess the for me, the next step growth wise would be actually how much of my delivery can I outsource yeah. um, to other people? Mm-hmm so that I'm cherry picking, really, so that I've got more time to to build the business by marketing and selling. Uh, and, and so I'd say it's it's very important to separate marketing and selling. They're not the same thing at all. Uh, and because, uh, you know, a, a lot of, I, I, again, I come across a lot of coaches who will go into a sales meeting without having had permission, without having created any curiosity at all. Uh, and, and uh, you you then end up pushing people away like mad because uh, the se- you know you mentioned discovery sessions and kind of there's a series of emotions that people need to go through uh, in order to be able to come to a yes or no decision for themselves uh, uh, about investing in anything. Uh, And so it's very important that they go through all of those emotional states, almost all of those emotional states, regardless of what the content is of what your of what your service is, are happening at an unconscious level uh, and are being defined by your tonality, your breathing, your stance, your gesture pattern. Uh, and how well all of those things are building rapport at an unconscious level that will allow somebody to feel safe enough to consider investing. Uh, so I guess that's a, that's a long way of saying yes. I think, <laughs> I think people could. Is yes, that useful? Absolutely. So if someone is listening to this and they're like, well, that, that actually sounds like something that I could make use of. 
what sort of time investment would people need to to consider? Is this something that someone could learn in you know just a few months, or is this a process that people need to be continuing to work on for for a lengthy amount of time? It, that's a pertinent question that you're asking me there because uh, I work I work in programs of uh, essentially nothing less than three months uh, and often up to 12. And I even I have clients who I'm working with right now and have been for the past two years because they wouldn't they wouldn't have anyone else by their side before they head into a difficult meeting or they want to articulate um, an idea. Uh, and, and the reason I say it's pertinent is because I, I'm thinking of not offering three months anymore uh, t- to people because I think, you know, I, I'm, there to, I'm there to help people guide themselves towards uh, their own goals using their natural gift which are free your voice is free and you know the way that you gesture is free uh so you know it's not it's not paying google or whoever to get you leads it's you just going out and using your natural inherent free gifts to work out whether somebody is curious enough to have a proper conversation with you about you know whether about themselves, really, because I'm sure you've heard the adage: nobody, nobody cares about you until they know what you can do mm-hmm. for them. Um, but the the skill of being able to recognise what's going on with people and being able to guide people through an experience that will allow them to make the right decision and for you to make the right decision, it it is an involved process. So I, you know, I I can work with people so much for for three months. But if we're working, you know, six months, I can say to people, we can, you know, we can make some serious change Mm. in your business uh, or in how you're perceived by your colleagues. Uh, Because I I found it's, yeah, sort of five, six months is when the first promotion happens um, for for my corporate clients. Uh, And then we go, where do we want to go from here? Uh, What is it you want to want people to see here? An experience now and for business owners it's about you know because um we we dig deep millet really uh and the, and the voice and the um you know voice and gesture yet that's kind of surface really and it's a way into finding out stuff that's going to going to really come out deep 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 neurolinguistic stuff that not a lot of people are um are doing uh around relationship to ecology and by ecology i mean the people you've got around you um and what your body and what your voice and what your brain is telling everybody through through the way that you stand or you speak or what what language you choose Mm. so yeah i'm thinking six months is probably going to be the the least that i offer right uh, to people in order, you know, cause I want to make, I, I want to only work with people who want big mm-hmm. results for themselves in that I, I you know, I, about two months ago, I had to sack a client for not doing mm-hmm. work. Um, my reputation is as good as my last client's results. It is that simple. And so I don't want to work with people who aren't going to work, do the work. And I'll tell you, 
that's the reason that I predominantly work with women because I, my experience, the women will do mm. the work. Um, the, a lot of the men I, I have worked with will find very good logical excuses not to do the work. <laughs> and, and so there's, you know, there are exercises that I give people that really push them out of their comfort zone that, you know, to some will find the concept of walking out on the street and having a conversation with a stranger will be beyond terrifying. But my experience has been that the women go, this is beyond terrifying, but let's mm -hmm. do it. Right. And uh, and the men will come back and go, I, well, I, that exercise, I had a thought about it and, uh, you know, um, it it just doesn't feel right to me or something. Or I couldn't do it because I've got this to do or that right. to do or what have you. And it's all very convincing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the bottom line is, you know, I think uh, the male client I've had the most success with uh, was um, an American uh, man who lived in uh, Switzerland and uh, who I think because, because he comes from a culture where emotions are much more open mm -hmm. uh, than they are in the United Kingdom, he... Uh, yeah, you know, he he went oh, okay and went and did it and got himself, you know, head of a brand new department in about six months of our working wow. together. Um, but but you know, for to, to get to get results at that level, I have found that it's uh, in the main it's the women I work with who who grab the bull by the horns and really run with it. And I, I have a theory about that, which and my theory is uh, that. I, I think in terms of uh, neural pathways in the brain, um, I think women are designed to experience anxiety more through neural networks in the brain. But that that is an absolute advantage uh, to them in a professional sphere if, if they harness it, because it means that typically women are much better uh, capable they're much more capable of dealing with these things and stepping over these things than a large number mm. of men are. Um, and, you know, consequentially, it's much more rewarding to work uh, work with women than it is with most of the men I work with. So are most of your clients, uh, do you generate most of your revenue through one-on-one -on -one coaching and consulting? Yeah, right now I do. Right now I do. I have... Uh, I have uh, s something that I've put to bed for a little while, which is a, a three-month challenge for SME owners who want mm -hmm. to use the stage. Um, uh, and that was th that's good fun to do, and I might go back to doing it, but I, ne I need to find a way of doing that that's less labor-intensive mm. for me because, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a group setting that will maybe earn me um, about the same as two one-to-one mm. -one mm -hmm. clients. And so, and I found when I was doing it that this this is a lot of fun and it's pretty seductive because you're in a group environment and you're creating an energy which is a, a fabulous energy and it's really seductive. I love doing this, um, but one has to balance. I love doing this with uh, you know the bottom line of a successful business is is their money in the bank. So I want to discuss just a little bit something that you had said earlier and and that you're talking a little bit about now, which is. Be not getting 
so caught up in the delivery or like you said, you know, you need to be focusing a little bit more on the sales and the marketing. Like as far as your pricing structure goes, do you have more of an interest of working with higher ticket offerings? A lot of coaches have trouble with their pricing as far as they're certainly happy to to just say, okay, $100 an hour. And there's a lot of people who come in with this and they're like, no, 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 never undervalue yourself, never underprice yourself, go for the the higher ticket offerings. So you're you're attracting people who want to do the work and you can have a greater impact on a smaller number of people because you're going to only attract those that can A, afford it and B, really want to change. Essentially, yes. Uh, people who really want to change will always find a way to afford it. Mm-hmm. And if if you, you know, and, and sometimes I'll, gi- I'll give people who say, oh, I'd love to work with you, but I can't afford it. You know, I'll say, well, you know, here's a little exercise in, in going out and raising cash. It's up to you whether you do something with this or not. But if you if you go out and do this and you can raise cash, you know, whether it's the full fee or not, I want you to come back and we can have a chat. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then we can maybe work something out, you know, that might be uh, whatever they've raised plus, um, you know, a small percentage of their business or what have you. I, th- there are... There are two marketplaces. There's a commodity marketplace and there's a value marketplace. Do you think, will your audience be familiar with that concept? Do you think? I think so. Yeah. Yes. And, and coaches who kind of lose themselves in worrying about their pricing mm-hmm. are worrying from a comparative point of view of thinking, oh, well, this is, you know, I, I'll give you an example. If, if you're an osteopath in the United Kingdom, the only training you get is to go look Go look at what other people who do what you do are charging mm-hmm. and then choose to price yourself somewhere in the middle. That's right. it. That's their business training. And so consequentially, osteopaths, can you, um, g- give me a guess, Millette. Give me a guess. What do you reckon is the average, average take home of a British osteopath yearly? I would have no idea. I would say uh, 50,000. It's 10. What? It's <laughs> oh my gosh! And and what they do because they 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 trust the training they're gi- given is they go to newspapers and go, oh he's charging ninety an hour, he's charging seventy an hour. I think I'll do eighty because that's in the middle, and mm. and then sit and wait because if you build it, they will come, and wow. and of course people. So occasionally people come, uh, and. And as with all commodity marketplaces, it's it, it's a case of well, I'll, I'll I'll take the cheapest because I can get this anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, if if I'm looking for a book or a or a movie, and I go to uh, Amazon or go to you know find findbooks.com, and I'll go. This is the book I want to buy, and the. Um, the website or the algorithm will say you can you can buy it from Amazon at nine pounds. You can buy it from HMV at eight. You can buy it from Barnes and Noble at seven. I'll go. I'll go Barnes and Noble at seven, won't I? Because it's the same product, right? Where, wherever I go. But you know what we're doing is is giving people an experience that mm-hmm. if we don't stand in the value of the experience that we can give they our clients won't stand in that value to take action you know um one of my one of my mentors is an osteopath who charges 400 an hour uh Mm. and 
is the most successful solution to pain in the United Kingdom as a result. Uh, and, you know, he's got people queuing out, out, out the doorway and round the corner, even though uh, the average of everyone who works in the same uh, wellness space is £75 an hour. Mm. You know, he's... And uh, my mentor, Chris, he's given he's given everybody for free, you know, opportunities to go. Oh, this they go. How do you do it, Chris? How do you how do you charge so much? How do you get so many clients? He's always and he tells them what do they do with it? Nothing, not a single thing. Uh, mm. And and so a, a huge learning for me was that uh, I am not at all in charge of the value that I give. In fact, I can't give anyone any value. And so I'm, I'm not trying to give, you know, okay. I, I'm not in charge of that process. It's the other person who's in charge of the value. Your, your client, your prospect is entirely in charge of whether the conversation with you is valuable or not. So the question is, you know, and that's what discovery sessions are for, is what do they value that you can choose to give them? Because you give them something that they really value, then they'll, you know, then what's it worth for you to have this experience? And often, mm -hmm. often people say, oh, got it, you know, priceless. And what my mentor Chris does is really work out what it is the client wants to do. Oh, I'd like to be able to play with my grandchildren. Well, how much is that worth? Well, that's absolutely priceless. And when that's absolutely priceless, then 400 an hour is pretty cheap. Mm. You know, if, if, you're a, if you're a woman in your 60s, who's not able to make physical contact with their baby grandchildren because of the pain in their back, then, you know, would you pay 400 an hour in order to never feel pain and be able to lift your grandchildren? Right. And in, in the same way, you know, the way I've described the, the pain and frustration that the, the women who come to me or are referred to me, they absolutely get that whatever they're getting is not something they can get elsewhere. So they'll, they'll pay for it. Now, I, I think ev what every coach should do is create what's known as an elephant offer and, and just sit down and, and create something that they can sell uh, at 50,000. What, what could you, what could you, what are the results you could give somebody that they would pay 50,000 for? Yeah, that would definitely be a big exercise for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. And and the truth is most people aren't going to. But if you go if if you know absolutely and I I did the, I did this exercise myself quite recently of going okay to 50,000 boom, so I'd provide this and I'd provide that service and I would outsource this. I realized, you know, if I um you know, I I sold a 50,000 pound program to uh, mm -hmm. a client who was based in Monaco and um you know, I, of that, I got to keep about uh, 12, 13,000 because actually what he wanted was me to produce a video which, and I outsourced the production of the video, but then kept, you know, a, a percentage of that money right. for myself for producing it. In the same way, I know that um, there are lots of experiences of all the people I have around me that I can bring together that some people in this world will think 50,000 mm -hmm. pounds is really cheap you know that it but it's funny what happens when you go out into the world and say you know some i charge some of my clients fifty thousand, and some people and and people will go wow what do they get for fifty thousand? 
uh, and some people will say, gosh, 50,000, that's expensive. And some mm, people will mm-hmm. say, that sounds like really good value. Uh, and the, and you, you're not in charge of that decision. So I'd say to people, stop making that decision for other people and have, because then once you've said 50,000 and most people will go, no, I'm not spending 50,000. You know, when you mention something that's significantly less expensive, that's what it looks like rather than something that's expensive. Well, David, this has been such a good and in-depth conversation. I have enjoyed this so much, and I would love it if we could finish up now with the final five rapid-fire questions. Awesome. I'm ready. All right. What is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? Uh, it, it, it would be getting up in the morning and doing uh, a primer routine, uh, and uh, I'm for those who would know how Elrod's Miracle Morning, uh, I, I certainly managed to do uh, four out of the six consistently every morning. That means that when I go into my uh, my first task, I'm primed and ready uh, to enjoy, whether it's you know Monday morning or Friday morning. What is one quality that you feel every successful coach needs to spend some time developing? It's uh, yeah, it's it's. Being present with yourself, actually, being present with yourself and seeing life as it really is rather than as you fear it is. Recommend one book that's had a big impact, either on your business or on your life. Awesome. Uh, both. And uh, I keep rereading it. Um, and it's uh, Dr. John D. Martini's How to Make a Hell of a Profit and Still Get Into Heaven. Give us an online resource that you think coaches would love to use in their business and that you couldn't do business without. Oh, that's an interesting one. Uh, this, so most of my business comes from referral and there's got the, something coming that isn't quite available yet, which is called iTroduce. Uh, and uh, iTroduce will be um, for those who used to think that LinkedIn was useful. Uh, and uh, who are finding LinkedIn a bit tough these days because mm. it's become so much of a sales platform. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm going to suggest, I, I, I introduce mm. is just at the moment at beta testing, uh, but it's going to be uh, a revolution when it comes out in terms of how people manage uh, and understand their network and understand um, who is who is uh, profitable and useful to you and in your network and who you are being profitable and useful to in your network. And I, um, I, I've been experimenting with it because I, uh, I'm part of the beta test with the person who's bringing this to market. And I, once it's out, um, I, I'm certain that it's going to uh, genuinely change the way people do business. You know, as we move away, and I don't know, Millette, if you are the same, but the majority of uh, marketing emails that come through my email get deleted, right? Unread. Yes. Uh, and so we're so trust uh, and the development of trust is is going to be more uh, imperative than ever in building a business. That's a great suggestion. I hadn't heard of it. I'm going to go check that out. Now, finally, after everyone has gotten to know you and gotten to understand what it is that you do, and maybe they want to connect, maybe they want to learn more, tell us what is the best way for the listeners to connect with you? What social platforms are you on the most and what's your website? Uh, so my website is davidroylands.com and uh, 
uh, within the website and, and i'd say g- give me a month because the website that's up at the moment is pretty generic it's it's quite a few years old uh, and i'm investing at the moment in something that's uh, m- much more niche and um and actually reflects all the things that i've been talking about today in in the podcast uh so give, give me a month because there will be an opportunity for people to read my uh ebook finding your personal power which where i go into many of the exercises that mm-hmm. i've just touched upon in this conversation uh that many should find useful uh, and would be a great way to sort of connect with me i'm on i'm on twitter um i am on linkedin uh I, i'm on facebook as well but it, facebook is not a um not particularly a business platform for me anymore uh and mainly you know I, I love talking to people i love to i love to be in situations like this or on uh, zoom or skype where people are talking to each other because that's how we uh, that's how we really connect um, and uh, and so i'd say please feel free to download the book say hello ask questions because i love helping people well, I will be sure to get all of those links and all of your recommendations onto the show notes page. David, this has been a really great conversation, and I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much indeed. I've loved every moment of it, uh, and it's a pleasure to meet you and your audience again. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. Be sure to join me next Monday for another inspiring interview. But wait, before you go, I've got a question for you. Are you ready to take action on all the great strategies today's guests shared, but you're not quite sure where to start? I've got you covered with my new action episodes, where I break down how you can implement all their best tips and tricks. Get immediate access to this exclusive free content when you become part of the Unstoppable Coach community. Simply go to unstoppablecoach.co to join or text COACH to 345-345.